in our series of worship that we started last Sunday night. If you remember last Sunday night, we talked about worship, and specifically we talked about this idea of wicked worship and what worship should not have been and what worship should not be like. And we looked at some examples throughout Scripture, um, throughout the Old Testament last Sunday night, and we looked at that, and that was kind of the, the realm of where we were. But this morning, I want to look at this idea of what worthy worship looks like. I want to look at this idea of what our worship should look like whenever we approach God on the first day of the week. I want to begin by asking a couple of questions this morning as we start out. What if, what if today was our last opportunity to worship our God in heaven? What if when you left these doors this morning, you stepped out, you were to never step foot back in this building to ever worship God again? How would you feel about the way that you worship this morning? How would you, I guess maybe we might say in our common language, rate your performance of your worship, the way that you worshiped our Father? How would you say that you did? Maybe right now at this point you look at our first half of worship. Are you pleased with everything that you've done? Or do you perhaps think maybe I should have sung a little bit more? Do you think maybe I should have given more thought to the Lord's Supper and what was going on? Maybe I should have thought more about the prayer. How, do you, how would you say it is that you worshiped this morning? I guess the more important question would be this one. Did God accept our worship? If today, this morning, was the last opportunity that you and I ever had to approach our Father and worship Him, could we say that God accepted our worship? Could you and I say that God accepted our worship. You know, that's really the only thing that matters on the first day of the week whenever we come to assemble together, isn't it? The only thing that matters is if we, rather if our worship was accepted by Almighty God. I heard it said once this way, that you and I are not the audience in worship. I think too many times we come into the assemblies with this mindset. Rather, you and I know that we're not the audience of worship, but rather we are all simply collective participants who are offering worship to our Father in heaven above. That's why we're here this morning. You know, I think sometimes I'm afraid that our worship becomes kind of like the way that perhaps maybe we get ready for bed. We put our, clo- our pajamas on, we brush our teeth, we wash our face, we go to the bathroom, we floss, we do whatever it is that we need to do, and then we get in bed and we don't give it a second thought, do we? I think sometimes maybe our worship becomes like the way we tie our shoes or the way that we pump gas into our car. We do it, perhaps we used to do it so meticulously. We used to do it with such care and such thought and being so precise about it, but we've done it so many times to where I think maybe sometimes it just becomes second thought. And you and I never even think about it. And I'm afraid that sometimes our worship becomes like that. Maybe we come to the assemblies and think, well, I've sung this so many times, I'll just sing it from memory and not even think about the words. Well, I've heard this prayer prayed by this person. He says these specific things, and I know what he's going to say, so I'm just not going to think about it anymore. Look, I've taken the Lord's Supper every single week, and I'm just going to throw my dollar bill on the plate. I'm just going to partake of the Lord's Supper and do all that I can just to get through it. Brothers and sisters, may it never be said of us that our worship has ever become just simply a routine. May it never be said of you and I today that our worship has never become something that we do like it's our next nature. Like we don't give it a second thought. 
This morning, I want to look at three different ideas as we talk about this idea of worship, when what specifically worthy worship is this morning. I want to talk about this idea of understanding what worship is. We have to understand what worship is before we could ever offer something before Almighty God that is going to be accepted by Him. Then number two, I want to talk about this idea of Sunday night. And we're going to get into that, to that a little bit. I won't talk about it much now. But then at last, I want to talk about some tips that have helped me for helping me make my worship something that is intentional. Something that I come every single first day of the week to do, to participate in, to partake in, and maybe there'll be things that will help you as well. I want you to think, and I want you to think about this idea of understanding worthy worship. You and I understand that whenever we come into the assembly, there is a certain and a specific way that we have to worship God. There's a criteria that has to be met, and we're going to look at that idea here in just a moment. But if you've, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before. I know that I have. I've heard some people say this before. Well, I just didn't get much out of worship today. I came into the assemblies and we sang the songs and we partook of the Lord's Supper. I heard the preacher preach. I, I, I prayed during the prayer, but I just didn't get much out of worship. It just didn't do much for me. It just didn't, I guess, hit the spot for me this morning in the, the, the way that I wanted it to. You ever heard that before? Maybe we've even perhaps said those things before. They say, well, there was no band this morning. There was no fog lights. There was no clapping, no dancing, no none of those things. And it just didn't excite me. Worship just didn't do for me what I thought it was supposed to do. When I hear that, I understand that that is an attitude that simply misunderstands what worship truly is all about. Because you and I understand that when it comes to this idea of worship, it is so very little about pleasing you and I whenever we come into the assemblies. If it is done the right way, then yes, you and I are going to be edified. If we worship the correct way, then we will be encouraged. But I think about passages like Psalm chapter 122. You look there at verse 1, David says that I was glad to me when I said I was able to go where? Into the house of who? The preacher? No. Into the house of the elders? No. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are here to worship Almighty God. It has nothing to do with you and me, but rather has everything to do with our Father who is in heaven. Go back to that quote that we talked about just a minute ago. God is our audience. You and I are not the audience, but rather we are simply participants who are gathering together to offer worship to Almighty God. Go to Acts chapter 17 as we begin this morning. Acts chapter 17, and I want to look at this passage of Scripture as we understand a little bit about God and who He is and why it is that we worship Him. Why is God the center and the focus of our worship in the first place? Acts chapter 17, notice with me here beginning in verse 24. The Apostle Paul is the one who is teaching here. He's standing in the Areopagus. He's talking to all of these very religious people. And he says here, beginning in verse 24, he says, God, who made the world and everything in it. What's he doing? He's establishing the nature of God. Understanding that God is the creator, that God has all power and all authority. He says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor, verse 25, is he worshipped. Worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. We have to understand that God is the audience in our worship, that he is the aim in our worship, that he is the one whom you and I are seeking to worship and to glorify whenever we come to assemble on the first day of the week. We have to remember that he is the creator and that we are the created. He is Lord of everything, he is far superior, so high and so holy. 
when it comes to you and I as individuals on the first day of the week. God doesn't need anything that you and I offer him. People, I think, so many times think when I come into these assemblies, I have to offer worship this way and that way because that's the way it makes me feel. It makes me feel good in my heart when I do it, and I want to do it this way, and I want to do it that way, and that's just how I've got to offer my worship to Almighty God. Surely God will accept it because I desire it to be this way. But you go back to Nadab and Abihu. We talked about them last week. They offered worship that in a way that they wanted to and wanted to get them. They got them destroyed by Almighty God. Go to John chapter 4, and there's this idea here as we talk about worship. This was the passage that was read just a moment ago. John chapter 4, when it comes to our worship, we understand that we cannot worship God in just any old way, can we? You and I cannot just offer worship to God that makes you and I feel good, that makes us feel good in our hearts and puts a smile on our face. Because again, that is not why we're here. We are not here to make ourselves happy. We are not here to please ourselves, but rather we're here to worship God, the creator, in a very certain and specific way. John chapter 4, look at me here, beginning in verse 23, and this was read just a moment ago. The Bible says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Two things that he talks about here, Jesus does as he lays out. He talks about this idea of spirit. What's he talking about when he says spirit? You and I understand that he's saying when we come into the assemblies to worship God, we must do so with the right attitude. We have to come into the assemblies with the right heart and with the right mindset whenever we come to worship God. Don't come into the assemblies with a grudging heart. Don't come into the assemblies just thinking, ah, I just got to be here or else I'm going to get a call from somebody tomorrow if I'm not there. Don't come in here just to check it off on the list just so you can say, look, God, I came to worship. Aren't you happy with me? That's not why we come into the assemblies. We need to come into the assembly with a happy heart, a happy attitude, understanding what it is that we're doing here, that we are here to worship God, to glorify our Father, to praise the one who created us. That is why we come into the assemblies in the first place. We're here to fellowship. We're here to edify one another, to encourage one another, to build up one another, and to offer worship and praise to Almighty God. Did you know that it is possible to come week after week, month after month, year after year, and not have the right attitude, and because of that, your worship never, ever make it to the heavens? Did you know that? You can come week after week. You can go through the motions. You can worship every single week, and your worship never make it to God because you don't have the right attitude. We must have the right spirit when it comes to our worship, are you happy to be here? Are you excited to be here? Do you look forward to every opportunity you get to gather with Christians and to worship our Father in heaven? But then number two, he talks about this idea of truth. This idea of being able to put our finger on a passage of scripture, on book, chapter, and verse that tells us, here's your authority for the way that you do things and why you do them this way. You know, there's a lot of enthusiastic people. There's a lot of energetic people out there who worship God and yet whose worship, again, never goes to God. There's a lot of people out there who perhaps have the right kind of heart, the right kind of attitude. They love God, but because they don't do it with any truth behind them, their worship's not accepted to Almighty God. They aren't offering worthy worship to God. It's not enough to just be emotionally and enthusiastically involved and engaged, but rather there must be truth behind the way that we worship God, which leads me to this next phrase. I'm afraid that there are too many congregations today who worship in spirit or truth, and not both. I'm afraid that there are too many congregations today that worship in spirit or in truth, 
and not both. What do I mean by that? I, I, you know, I think about our spirit specifically as it relates to this idea of our singing. You know, you and I, that is a command that we're supposed to do on the first day of the week. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16. We're commanded to sing with our voices, blending together in praise and in worship to Almighty God. What an opportunity it is that you and I have to sing to Almighty God. What a blessing it is that we're able to do that every single time we gather and meet together. So let me ask you this question. Why don't we sing like it? Why don't we sing with the right attitude? Yes, perhaps we're singing in truth, but do we have the right attitude behind the way that we offer our voices to Almighty God? Brethren, we're, we're marching to Zion. We're not crawling to Zion, are we? So why would we sing like it? Why would we? It's not soldiers of Christ go to sleep. It's soldiers of Christ arise, understand that we're in a battle and we're fighting for our Father. It's not blessed assurance. I guess Jesus might be mine if I live the right kind of life. Maybe no. It's understanding I know that I have Jesus if I'm living the right kind of life for him. Sing, knowing that Jesus died for you, knowing that you have an opportunity to spend heaven with him. That's why we're here to worship God, to glorify him. And we come with the right attitude, understanding what God has done for us. But I guess it could also go the other way. You could have the right attitude. You could have the right mind. But then there'll be no book, chapter, and verse behind what you do. And you and I understand that that too won't be accepted. We must have both to offer worthy worship to God, both worship that is done in spirit and in truth. Number two this morning, I want to talk about this idea of Sunday night. Does Sunday night really matter? Does Sunday night really matter? And I guess that this is perhaps, well, I just gave you a sneak peek. I wasn't supposed to go ahead yet. Um, does Sunday night really matter? You know, I think perhaps maybe this is somewhat of a, a, a controversial topic, I guess, to some people. And I guess it's controversial in the minds of perhaps those who don't agree maybe with Sunday night. So let me ask you this question. And I'll, I'll say this. This was actually a submitted question for our questions and answers. So I hope that you are here if you answer this question because I'm going to go ahead and cover kind of everything that we would cover on a Sunday night with this idea. Should you and I even care about meeting together for a second time on the first day of the week? Should you and I even care? Should it even be something that you and I want to do as we gather together on the first day of the week to come back and to worship again on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon or whenever it is, to whenever we have the opportunity to meet again on the first day of the week? Should that be something that we even care about at all? Let me give you this one. Is it sinful to meet only one time on Sunday? Is it sinful? Is it against the scriptures to only meet one time on the first day of the week? I think you know the answer. The answer is absolutely not. We know that that is not the case. We understand that, and in fact, I know of congregations who only meet once on Sunday. They are not in any sin. They are not in any wrongdoing whatsoever by only meeting once on Sunday as long as they are worshiping in spirit and in truth and in a way that is according to the word of God. I know of some congregations who have one worship service and then have two Bible classes. I know of congregations who have one worship service, one Bible class, and then in the afternoon or evening, they rotate between service projects or between prayer nights or singing nights. There is nothing wrong with that so long as they worship God on the first day of the week. Is it sinful to only meet once on Sunday? The answer is no. How do I know that? Well, I know that because of this. When are you and I commanded to worship? When is the command for us to gather together and to worship God? Well, you can go to passages like Acts chapter 20, verses 6 and 7, and we won't go here for the sake of time, but you can look at passages like 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. We are commanded when to meet. 
upon the first day of the week. That is when our command is to gather together. And again, that's where the silence of the scriptures come in. We talked about that last week. We are commanded to meet on Sunday, thus it negates every other time to do so. Times like Saturdays, I would grow up with friends in the Catholic Church, and they would say, oh, we got to meet on Saturday so I can go play sports on Sunday. There's no command whatsoever. There's no authority, no truth behind worshiping God in that way. When are we commanded to worship? Upon the first day of the week. Now, I guess that kind of generates this next question. Who gets to dictate that time? Who gets to dictate the times of when you and I are going to gather and worship God on the first day of the week? Who gets the final say for your specific congregation? Well, I think you and I know that it's the elders. We understand the way that the church is laid out. We know the organization of the church, and we know that it is the elders who have been put in charge in that. You look at passages like 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, we understand that elders there are to shepherd the flock. They are to oversee the congregation. They are the ones who are put in place by God, who have the authority to tell the congregation when they need to worship and where they need to worship and to help show the example of how you and I are to worship Almighty God. They are to watch over, protect, and to dictate the flow of how things go, obviously according to truth. Again, going back to John chapter 4, verses 24. So let's talk about Sunday night. You would be correct if you were to say, well, Caleb, there is no book, chapter, and verse that tells me that I have to come back and worship God on Sunday night. And you know what? You're absolutely correct. There is no book, chapter, and verse. There is nowhere in Scripture that says, thou must come back to worship on Sunday night. You cannot find it in Scripture. So, why? Why should I make it a priority in my life to make the effort to worship God again on Sunday night whenever the opportunity is there to present itself. I want to look at two things and then we'll move on to our final point this morning. But I want to look at two things when we talk about this idea of why it is that we have to worship God again on the first day of the week. This is number one. When you don't, when you decide not to worship God, when you make it a point in your life to not come back and to worship God again on Sunday night, you disobey your elders. You disobey your elders when you make the conscious choice and decision to not come back and worship God. We know that the elders of this congregation have the responsibility laid upon them as the elders to dictate and to make things go the way that they see fit for it to go as long as it is in line with the Bible. They're the ones who make decisions autonomously for this body of people. They don't worry about Fairview. They don't worry about West Fayetteville. And likewise, those congregations don't worry about us. We worry about ourselves and the way that it is that we're going to worship God. That being said, I read about passages like 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, where Peter there says that you and I, as members, as individuals of a congregation, are supposed to what? Submit ourselves to our elders. What does it mean to submit yourself to your elder? It means that you are pledging yourself underneath your eldership, knowing that they have the God-given authority over you to dictate what you need to do in your life when it comes to your spiritual health and well-being. We know that our elders have said, and again, this is pretty much worldwide, elders have said we're going to meet Sunday morning for Bible class and Sunday morning for worship. You and I don't balk at that whatsoever, do we? You and I have no qualms or quarrels with the elders when they tell us, me on Sunday morning and on Sunday, or on Sunday morning for Bible class and Sunday morning for worship. That's what we're supposed to do. Nobody says anything about it. So when does it change? Why does that change when it comes to this idea of gathering again to worship God on Sunday night? At what point does their authority 
stop having rule over you. You submit yourself to them for Sunday morning, but why is it when Sunday night rolls around, you say, oh, well, they don't have any authority over me. They can't tell me to meet again. Why? When does that change in our lives? At what point do we no longer have to submit to our elders and obey them? When you make the decision in your mind to not return on Sunday night for a second time to worship God. Look, I understand. Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances. Sometimes it's your health. In fact, what was it, two weeks ago? I wasn't able to be here at all because I was sick. Sometimes things happen, and you simply cannot make it out. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you, as a Christian, make the conscious choice and decision to place something else above worshiping Almighty God. That's what we're talking about. When you're prioritizing other things over-worshiping your Father in heaven on the first day of the week. You blatantly disrespect, you blatantly disobey your elders, and as a byproduct, you ultimately disrespect and disobey who? You ultimately disobey and disrespect God because elders are God have that God-given authority within Scripture to tell you to go do those things. We have to understand when we don't worship our Father, when we don't come together every time that we are commanded to by our elders, we're ultimately disobeying Almighty God because he's put them in that position. But then number two, when you don't worship God again on the first day of the week for the second time or for whenever it is that your elders tell you, you lack the proper love for God. You lack the proper love and attitude for God when you don't gather again. This, my brethren, is what ought to stem our reasoning for worshiping God in the first place. You and I should be here for no other reason other than because we love God and we understand what it is that he wants us to do. And because of our love for him, we want to obey him in everything that we do. And that includes our worship to our Father in heaven. We worship because we love to give God the glory, because we love to give him the praise. We love to worship him because that's what he's told us to do. And when we prioritize other things above worshiping God, regardless of what it is, we lack the proper love and attitude and mindset toward our Father. You cannot say, you cannot say, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength, and then say, this is more important, so I'm not going to worship him tonight. You cannot say that. You cannot say, I have pledged my life in service to God, and I'm going to do all that I can to serve him in every situation, but when something comes up and it says, this is going to be when it is, and you like, I've got worship, but I guess worship can hold so I can go do this thing. You lack a proper love and attitude and commitment to Almighty God. When you became a Christian, you understood that there was a cost that you had to count. You understood that when it came to your discipleship, there were going to be things that you were going to have to give up, things you were going to have to miss because you're a Christian and because you love God, because of what God has done for you. When you don't do those things, you lack the proper love for Almighty God. It is all about our attitude. It is all about our attitude when it comes to this idea of worshiping our Father in heaven. Do we truly understand? Do we truly know why we are here to worship God? Do we truly understand what it is and the gravity of the situation of where we are right now as we approach our Father? We must have the right attitude. We must have the right mindset. And that will make it easier for us to worship God in the right way, in a worthy way, so that our worship will be accepted. Number three, the last one is this, and we'll go over these very, very quickly as we're running out of time this morning. I want to talk about six different tips 
for intentional worship. Six different things for intentional worship. Um, and you know, when I think about our worship, it has to be just that. It has to be something that's intentional, doesn't it? You and I cannot just simply, we talked about this earlier, we cannot just simply go through the motions. We cannot simply just make our worship routine, but rather we must intentionally partake and participate in every single act of worship, regardless of what it is and what's going on around us. It has to be calculated and it has to be well thought out. Here's number one. You must, in order to intentionally worship God, prepare your mind. You must prepare your mind. You have to understand as you approach God in the assembly what it is that you're about to do. You have to understand the importance and the gravity of the situation of where you are. Do your best to not come into the assemblies in an angry and upset attitude. Do your best to don't come into the assemblies sleepy and tired because you've been out partying the night before. Do your best to come into worship rested, ready, and willing to focus and to partake and to participate in worship. The only way you do that is through preparing your mind. Understand that Saturday night you have to know what's coming ahead, what's going to happen the next morning. Be prepared. Prepare your mind for worship, and that'll help you be intentional in your worship. Number two, we're going to go through these very, very quickly. This one seems obvious, but I think sometimes maybe perhaps we just kind of overlook this idea and this concept. Number two, bring a Bible when you come to worship. And I'm not saying that if you don't bring a Bible and you don't follow along in your Bible, I'm not saying that your worship is not worthy and it's not accepted by God. I'm not saying that. But you'd also be surprised, I think, at how many people I'm able to see from up here who don't, who don't follow along, okay? Again, nothing wrong with not opening up your Bible, nothing wrong with perhaps even doing it on your iPad. There's nothing wrong with that, but a couple of things as to why you should bring your Bible. Number one, it helps you focus. Number two, it helps you become more familiar with your Bible. But then number three, it also allows you to fact check. And that's the biggest thing, that's the biggest reason why you should be opening up your Bible, because you get to fact check every single thing that is said from this stage and from this pulpit. We know passages like Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 that these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with readiness and they searched the scriptures daily. Why did they search the scriptures daily? To find out whether these things were so. To go through and search the scriptures to see if what's being taught is actually true. We can look at passages like 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. John said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. John, why? Why would I test the spirits? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Bring a Bible, open it up, do your best to study from it and follow along and check and see what it is that's being taught to you week in and week out. Number three, dress appropriately. And I, again, this one can be somewhat controversial, okay? Um, because I'll, I'll say this, and I may get some flack for this, but it's true. There is no book, chapter, and verse that says you have to show up every single Sunday in a suit and tie, is there? There is no book, chapter, and verse that says that. Likewise, there's also no book, chapter, and verse that says you can't show up in your pajamas to worship God on the first day of the week, is there? But you and I also understand there's this idea of common sense, don't we? We understand this idea of our attitude. When you approach God on the first day of the week, do you understand what it is that you're doing? When you approach God, do you understand what it is that you're about to partake in, what it is that you as a collective assembly are about to do when you come here. That's what should help us understand how we ought to present ourselves before Almighty God. Again, I'm not saying that you have to wear a suit and tie every single time. In fact, you, you and I know I don't wear a tie every single Sunday. There's nothing wrong with that, but there is this idea of appropriately presenting yourself to Almighty God. Okay, when you go to a wedding, would you wear clothes to the gym? No. Okay, so think about it. Why would you do that when you come to worship? 
Just something to think about as you look at the way that you approach God and worship to him in your dress. Number next, be an active participant. Be an active participant in your worship before Almighty God. You know what? And again, I think you'd be surprised if you stood up here. You'd be surprised at how many people just sit during worship who simply come in, sit in a pew, don't do anything else for that hour, and then get up and walk out the doors as if they were never here. They simply come to, and again, I'm not saying that you can't come in here and that you can't look like you're worshiping and actually be worshiping because I can't judge your heart. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your mind. All that we can do is simply look at the outside and see what's happening and what's going on. When it comes to our worship, though, you and I are called to be collective participants. Going back to our quote, John 4 and verse 23, the Bible says that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. The only way to truly worship God is to do so in spirit and in truth. How can you and I do that if we are not actively participating in our worship? One of the best ways to actively participate is this next one. This is another way to be intentional for worship. Block out your distractions. Block out your distractions. Look, I understand it can be hard sometimes, can't it? It can be hard because you're thinking perhaps when the football game starts. I get that. Maybe you're thinking about what your cousin's uncle's girlfriend's sister posted on Facebook for what they're having for lunch, okay? I get that. It's so hard to not stay connected 24-7 when it comes to everything that's going on in our world. But understand, again, what it is that you're doing as we come into the assemblies before Almighty God. It can wait for one hour, I promise you. Whatever it is, it can wait for one hour. And we have, look, guys, we haven't even talked about our length of worship either, have we? We haven't talked about our length of worship. There are some people who say, oh no, preacher went past 30 minutes, better, better throw a fit. Oh no, worship went past one hour. We better throw our arms up and go crazy because we're only supposed to be here for one hour, right? Let me ask you this question, okay? What do you, when you get to work, when you get to heaven, what do you think heaven's going to be like? What's heaven going to be like? Did you know that heaven is going to be like you and all your brothers and sisters gathering together and worshiping God for an eternity? If you don't think you can handle worship for one hour, what makes you think you're going to enjoy heaven? That's why we're here as Christians, to worship God to enjoy our worship, to love him, to understand why we're here in the first place. It has to do with our attitude. Block out your distractions when it comes to your worship. It can be hard, but block them out. Put your phone away. Put your whatever away. Don't talk to the people next to you. Just focus on your worship before God Almighty. And then the last one, this is, this is the last one we'll talk about. Ultimately, this is, this is really what it all boils down to. When you want to intentionally worship, understand and remember why you're here in the first place. And we've kind of alluded to this thought throughout our entire lesson. You and I have gathered together to worship Almighty God. We have gathered together on the first day of the week to offer and present our worship to Him. But we have to understand why we're here. We're not here for ourselves. We're not here for each other. First and foremost, we're here ultimately to praise God and to glorify Him. When we do that, when we understand and remember that we are here for the sake of giving that glory and that praise to God, then you and I will do whatever it takes. If we have the right attitude, the right heart, and the right mindset, we will do whatever it takes 
to offer the right worship to God, to offer worthy worship before Almighty God. I hope that this, this series of lessons has been something that's been helpful to you in your worship. I hope that some, you know, sometimes, again, I think that we, we go to worship week in and week out, and I think sometimes we just become routine, and we get stuck in a rut, and we don't get out of it because that's just what we're used to do. Brothers and sisters, may our worship always be intentional. May we always be so meticulous and calculated about our worship. May we always be participants in understanding what worship is and who it is that we're worshiping and why we're worshiping. We understand what God has done for us. We know of his love for us, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. We know that he's demonstrated that love towards us and that Jesus Christ came to this earth to give his life for us. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't answered that call. Know that you can this morning. We would love for that to happen this morning. Finish off your year. Finish off the year 2021 if you're not a Christian, as a Christian. Understanding that you're pledging yourself in service to God. You're submitting your life to him. You know that through baptism, Jesus' blood has washed your sins away. That you can, you can submit your life to him. Commit your ways to him. Knowing that you've counted the cost, you are now a disciple, and you're going to do all that you can to serve and glorify him. Or perhaps you're here as someone who is a Christian, and maybe something we've said over the last couple of weeks has pricked your heart. Maybe the Bible has pricked your heart. Maybe your worship hasn't been what it ought to be, and perhaps that's something that's just between you and your God. Then take care of it. Ask him for forgiveness. Make the conscious effort to worship him in the right way. Or perhaps there's something else that's amiss in your life. Maybe priorities aren't right, whatever it might be. Know that you can come back home. Come back to the Lord. He will receive you. We, as a family here at East Hill, would welcome you with open arms and we'll do all that we can to encourage you. So if you need to give your life over to God in baptism or you need to come back home to him, won't you come? Together we stand and as we sing. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.